0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee's Erotic Library. On this podcast, I'm inviting you into my personal library to experience my favorite erotica. All of the volumes that I will read from are on my shelves. Each week, I will treat you to a piece of erotica, either my own or from one of my favorite authors. Some weeks, I will be joined by these amazing authors themselves, and you will have the chance to hear them read their own work. This podcast is being supported by my Patreon page. That's patreon.com forward slash Lori Beth Bisbee. For people who subscribe, you will have access to special interviews with authors and readings and also to special events. So grab your drink of choice, get comfortable, and enjoy a peek into my erotic world. Hey everyone, welcome to Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee's Erotic Library. And on this episode, I am privileged to have Cheryl Clark, who is a multifaceted writer, whose body of work encompasses a unique blend of creative and business writing. She began her career 20 years ago as a creative writer and has since written five novels, several eBooks, multiple children's books, poetry collections, short films, music, and award-winning stage plays. She's been featured in the Philadelphia Women's Journal, Curve Magazine, on about.com, and National Public Radio, which is pretty impressive as far as I'm concerned. Also (laughs) in the Princeton Packet out in New Jersey and a whole host of other publications. She is a transplant to Atlanta, Georgia and lives with her wife, Monica, and their two Shih Tzus, Foxy Roxy and Sash Not So Fierce. (laughs) I love it.
1: She's kind of goofy. We wanted yeah. to make Sasha Fierce, but she's too goofy to be fierce. <laughs> I,
0: I, I have a Kimba the White Puppy um, who's a Coton de Tulliera, who's usually on my lap, but not when I'm recording because invariably he decides that he wants to make noise only then. <laughs> only then. Otherwise, he's fine. <laughs> so welcome to the show. What are you going to read for us?
1: Um, I'm going to read just the, uh, the introductory chapter to my last uh, short story, which is called Sweet Dark Rum. Oh,
0: fantastic. Take it away.
1: Oh, okay. And uh, I have it on a separate screen. So if I'm turning sideways, sorry. (laughs) So um, yeah, this is the introduction to uh, Sweet Dark Rum, which is a very sensual, very short, quick story. Um, So it goes like this. I was in a leadership meeting when the flashbacks hit me, the blindfolds, the strawberries, the massage oil and the fogger, the stainless steel pinwheel, fetish feathers and leather restraints. The scented candles and hot wax with the steady hum of a spellbinding playlist. We had been at it for hours. The hair on my skin stood up at the reverie. Unintentionally sinking into the memory, I closed my eyes and bit my bottom lip. Erica, I heard my COO call my name. I blacked out in the middle of a colleague's presentation. What do you think of the new supply chain proposal? I had no fucking clue what he was talking about, but didn't miss a beat. I think it has potential, but I'd like to spend a little bit more time this afternoon to take a deeper look. Is that okay? Sure, it's fine, but I really need your input today. You'll get it, I promise. Whew. It had been two weeks since my rendezvous with Zara, but I still felt her in the frequency of my womb. I still floated on the memories of our ascension to bliss, and I think I'm going to live on that energy of what we shared for a while. Zara was the most unlikely lover, a woman, I'd only known and mildly flirted with online in a group for erotic film and fiction fans. We'd gotten to know each other over the course of seven months before the opportunity to take it offline presented itself. The chance came during a trip I took to Colorado Springs. I'd gone because I needed time away from the corporate rat race. I wanted separation from the day-to-day grind of productivity and I needed a release from the pressures of everything. So I booked a spur of the moment trip to the mountain region. It was just the reprieve I needed. I hadn't planned to meet Zara when I got there. I hadn't even remembered that she lived nearby when I booked the trip. Still, as I settled into my seat on the flight, I decided to check my messages one last time before going off the grid for a few days. That's when she came into the picture. Zara lived differently than me in many ways. She had long ago abandoned corporate America for a simpler life, a smaller home, a minimalistic and spiritual lifestyle. She was like a hippie who had benefited from capitalism and then turned her back on the system in pursuit of more intentional living. When I told her about my plans to unplug for a few days in her hometown, she persuaded me to meet for lunch before I left. As it turned out, Zara only lived 20 minutes from the Broadmoor Hotel, which would be my home away from home for the weekend. (laughs) What do you say? I think it would be insane for us to to be this close and not finally meet in person, she coaxed. You still can have your alone time. Just save an hour or two for me. I'll even come to your bougie hotel to make it easy for you. I giggled. "My My days would be pretty full, but I can do dinner. That works too. Cool, I'll text you once I touch down and settle in so we can make plans. I look forward to it, she responded with a smiley face. Not long after our chat did the flight crew on my plane begin their typical announcements. I tuned them out, too intrigued with the thoughts of meeting Zara in person. She was a different kind of beautiful, unabashedly self-loving and boldly confident. Zara was open-hearted and had a glow from an inner light that no makeup could match. Her voice had a timbre that could soothe the I'd never told her how much I enjoyed chatting with her solely from a companionship perspective. With, this, with skin the color of sweet dark rum and a gaze that could pierce through one's armor, Zara's attractiveness had nothing to do with her physical features and everything to do with her soul. I could feel her through our video chats, but kept our interactions to playful banter about films, fiction, and culture. I was attracted to her, sure, but it felt innocent enough to not make a big deal about it. Besides, I never thought I would meet her in person. That all changed when I arrived in Colorado Springs. So, and that's the opening.
0: <laughs> Wonderful. Now I can't wait to read the rest of it. <laughs> thank
1: you, thank you. It's a very, it's a very fun, quick, you know, sexy read.
0: <laughs> it sounds good. It sounds brilliant. Okay, so um guys. For those of you who are following along, um, we're going to actually do some interview tonight for everyone because I've got questions. (laughs) (laughs) And for those of you who are on um, Patreon and those of you in the membership group, there's swag this week as a bonus. So um, hit me up because I've got bookmarks for you. Um, From the cover of my memoir and if you've seen it you know how hot they are so swag for the members this week. So I've got some questions. When did you start writing um, sort of erotica and and more sensual stuff. Um.
1: Oh gosh, long time ago. Um, I started, uh, it's all I've written uh, on the creative side. So I would say I started when I was about 19, Mm -hmm. um, which was a a while ago, (laughs) a while ago. But uh, yeah, that would have been, yeah, because I started writing with, I started with poetry. I started writing erotic poetry first, and then I moved into novels. Um, and then from novels, I went into stage plays and then I just, I've written some of everything, but I, I started way back in the late nineties, early two thousands.
0: Cool. I started when I was uh, 12, wow. um, which, which was <laughs> a lot longer ago. We won't even go there. <laughs> so I started writing um I started writing in the seventies um, and I started with poetry. And, um, and the erotica that I started, I was, you know, th- my very early erotica is embarrassing um, <laughs> because I was like 12, 13. So my understanding of things was not great, um, but some of the poetry that I wrote, you know, in, in my late teens was actually pretty good. So, and I went on from there.
1: Excellent.
0: What do you like about this as a medium?
1: I love, um, just the expression. I love being able to tap into a part that, a part of us that unfortunately too many people are nervous about. They're ashamed Mm -hmm. of it. They feel guilty and they have all these negative associations to it, but deep down everybody um, is craving touch. Everybody needs intimacy. Um, You know, you don't have to, there's, there's a whole wide spectrum when it comes to erotica. So it you know depending on each person's comfort level it is what it is but i really enjoy bringing out the passion between mm-hmm. people two people or depend depends on the story it may be three or four people but <laughs> yeah. um, but i find it to, i just i think it's uh, i think intimacy is beautiful and i like reading writing about beautiful things and creating these really tantalizing worlds that readers can hopefully get lost in for a little while and um, you know it makes a great bedtime story
0: Yeah, that's one of the things that I often recommend to um, clients is read to each other. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Yeah, because and and that's one of that was the impetus for doing this podcast is that I think audio erotica is outrageous. Um, (laughs) And and what I love about it, as opposed to video, is that video, the characters are done for me. Mm. And, and I'm not, to be fair, I'm not the most visual of people. I mean, my, um, uh, my primary sense would be auditory um, and, then, and then my nose. Um, scent is really a, a, important to me. But, um, but when you see a film, somebody has fully fleshed out the character. Writers, even when they describe the characters, if you're hearing it, it it shapes differently. You'll see something different because they'll describe bits and pieces, but they don't describe the planes of the face. For example, they don't describe the whole build and you fill that in yourself. So I love, that's what I love about being able to read erotica and also being able to listen to it because I can fill it in all myself. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Makes sense. So I I always find that the most exciting. Um, I've got a gig at the moment where I'm going to be, um, writing a piece of erotica to go with with a, a film. Um, yeah, there's a, a female led um, website um, called frolicme.com. And it's some um, pornography made for women by women. And um, they also have a website. And so some of us are writing to go with the
1: movies. Oh, that sounds very, very interesting. Yeah.
0: yeah, I'm really looking forward to doing this. Um, I've written nonfiction for them before. I've mm-hmm. written about you know the fact that you can use pornography that it isn't always negative. Um, but um, I'm doing I'm doing my first uh, two stories for them, and I'm really excited about it. So I got to go watch the movies and then <laughs> see where it takes me.
1: Right. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> it should be
0: really interesting. Yeah. And I just think this medium has so much to offer. Um. And there's such a wide range of sexual expression that we can describe,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: which is one of the things I love about it.
1: Yes. Yeah, it is. It's there's, there's just so much, um, as much as I think I know, I know there's a ton that I still don't know, and still haven't, you know, fully scratched the surface of exploring. Um, and it's 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 a fun process. Even if you go through, you know, reading about stuff or watching things, and and you still decide, okay, that it sounds good, but it's not for me. At least you, at least you, you know, were open to exploring. And a lot of people, you know, I think kind of get stuck into whatever they were doing in their twenties and they just keep having that kind of sex for the rest of their life. Um, <laughs> and it's just, boring. I don't know. It's, it's fun to, to explore and, and learn and try and, you know, recreate your boundaries as you grow and evolve as a person. And if you're partnered with your spouse or whatever.
0: Yeah, no, I, absolutely. And i I mean, I, I do a lot of, when I work with people, I do a lot of talk about um, kink and BDSM. Cause that's one of the areas of, of my favorite interest and, um, and also consensual Um, non-monogamy. But I spend a lot of time working with couples who have been coupled for a long time, Mm -hmm. who are, who are saying, okay, is this all there is? (laughs) Um, And just often don't even know how to talk about things. And I find that one of the nice things about written erotica is that if you're uncomfortable bringing something up, you can share a Mm -hmm. story
1: yeah you're absolutely right and that's a great way to segue into you know discussing something new yeah without the pressure you know it's just kids you're just discussing a topic uh, yeah. as you anything else that's that's quite brilliant actually.
0: <laughs> I love it because it's like if it's like if you watch a television show together and you might talk about the television show it right. takes on the same the same so it's much less um, there's much less fear around rejection because you're not asking for anything at that point you're just talking. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also watch your partner and see how they respond. So you've oh got God. a clue. You yes. know. If, if they're getting excited while you're doing, watching the movie or reading the story or listening to the story, then you know, you're in good. So you don't, it just takes away some of the pressure. If you can't tell that's when discussions are good. And it's sometimes for some couples that it just, just that to open up the possibility of difference, not even any particular thing, but, they they haven't even thought outside the box. They didn't realize they could change things up. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then there's also also the thing which is I I don't know what you think of this, but there's a lot of people who don't even know what they want.
1: Uh yeah, I I would agree. A lot of people don't know uh, what they want, and I think that probably you know stems from folks not. Uh, tr- I don't want to say historically, but not usually not having a safe space to learn and talk about sex and sexuality because I know for, for myself and almost every other person I know, when you first learn about sex and sexuality, it's through the lens of fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and mostly for women, girls at the time, it's just don't get pregnant, don't do you know, it's it's really fear-based and it's it's you don't you don't discuss anything outside of don't get pregnant, don't get a disease, or just wait until, you know, you find someone special. And that's pretty much all you get from a lot of parents because there's, there's this uncomfortable, this awkward stuff. So then you end up learning from your friends and at that age, they don't know any more than you do. Um, And you get stuck in this kind of cycle unless, unless for some reason you take the initiative to go read books on it, just like you would read a book on business. You would read, you know, a book on any other topic uh, but folks tend to not make that connection in this department and then they kind of get stuck in this cycle of just doing what they've always known and may, maybe something or they'll stumble on something that piques their curiosity but a lot of people I don't think take the initiative to find out something new and actually spend the time with their lover to chart out what do you like what don't you like you know, how much pressure, less pressure. Is this cool? Or is this kind of gross? Uh, you know um, so there has to be room in the relationship for th- those kinds of discussions to, um, you know, feel safe and that you're not going to ask a question and because of the response you get, you're never going to ask a question again. Yeah. Uh,
0: and, I'm, and I think that's what many people are afraid of. Cause we don't, this isn't an area that, that even now, unfortunately, I hate to be saying this, but um, even now generation coming up, they're not taught to talk about this. Yeah. You know, there's still no, there's no emphasis on the fact that, you know, we all deserve pleasure mm-hmm. and and that our bodies are engineered for pleasure. Indeed. And so what, if you're going to, you can have moral strictures, there's nothing wrong with that. If, you know, you can save it for somebody you love and you can, you know, I've, I have no judgment either way. Mm-hmm. You can be sleeping with loads of people. You can only <laughs> sleep with one in your whole life. There should be, there should be no judgment there. You mm-hmm. have whatever your morals are, but there. In, instead of being fear-based and shame-based, which is what teaching usually is, mm-hmm. it needs to start being more around pleasure. Right. I would agree with that big time. And yeah. talking about pleasure. I mean, you know, it's, it's fascinating to me. It's like I said to a woman in her sixties, what did you think the clitoris was for? <laughs> You know, because it, it's not, there's no, it, it serves no function in procreation. Exactly.
1: It's just there for fun. <laughs>
0: right. That's all. It, it's hundred percent for fun. And if your worldview is accurate um, and she was quite religious and she said, you know, we're all made in God's image. And I said, well, God put it there then. Why wouldn't you use it? Exactly. And it, it's just like, well, nobody ever taught me about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, female anatomy uh, is even, as far as I know, has been less studied than our, our counterparts. So even when you do learn about it, you're not learning very much. And it's definitely not geared toward pleasure. It's a very, very basic biology lesson and you're on your own after that unless like I said you decide or you run into someone who introduces you to literature that can expand your understanding of your own body because a lot of women don't know the capacity for their own body they don't even realize how long it takes for us to really be aroused and they're wondering why they're not really satisfied well if the whole thing is over in seven minutes you weren't you weren't really fully aroused and it's over Um, And that's kind of why it's, you know, not getting where you want to get.
0: (laughs) Um, You need more
1: time you need to take. And I mean,
0: I think, you know, some of that is about exploring yourself as well. And while most people do, we don't talk about it. So nobody learns how they just (laughs) are expected to sort it out themselves, you know, just figure it out. And um, again, that's, you know, there's a big difference between self-pleasure and how quickly you can get aroused and reach orgasm when you're pleasuring yourself and with a partner. So, um, women anywhere between, you know, 20 seconds and three minutes on their own. Yeah. Right. But the average for a woman is 20 minutes with a partner.
1: Yeah. It takes a bit longer.
0: So, you know, as you say, if it's just going to be over in seven minutes, you're not going to get there. And if you no. don't realize that, or you don't even know what to tell your partner about where you are yeah. and how to help. Mm-hmm it's just, it, the mind boggles. And I think certainly if you are heteronormative, it's even harder to figure that out because the expectation, it it comes with so many expectations. I kind of feel bad for folks. You know, the expectation (laughs) is that you're a mind reader and you figure it out and everything. Whereas if you're not, there is some, you're allowed to draw outside the lines when you're not.
1: Right, so if you're right. gay
0: or if you're queer, if you're pan, if you're bi, um, or your, your orientation is more around power or energy, all of that, because it's outside what mm-hmm. we've been seeing all our lives, you're kind of allowed to, to move differently. We'll with, a, bit, a
1: little bit more.
0: Yeah. Which is one of the reasons why, I mean, the research, some research on, on women highlights gay women being more satisfied.
1: Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's not surprising. Well, because our, um, you know, heterosexual women, um, the, the sex between them and their partners tends to be more driven by the male. And obviously, once once their climax, you, you're going to have to wait a while until he's ready again. Um, so there, there definitely could stand to be a lot more communication and understanding of um, female anatomy, female arousal, female uh, ways to pleasure, so that you don't, you know, jump right in and go to the, the, the same three hot spots, and, and, you know, like you can rub other places, you can sit and caress an arm for a little while. You don't just have to go straight to, you know, the, the main event, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not surprising, but I think um, there seems to be a lot more Education out there. Um, There seems to be more and more sex and intimacy coaches and counselors popping up. So maybe over time, it'll become a little less and less taboo, and folks will want to um, explore it more and 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 get a better understanding of how they can have, you know, better sex. Yeah, which is is
0: hugely important. I mean, it's got all sorts of wonderful health benefits. So you know, for me, it's like. Um, I'm always fascinated when I talk with people, particularly older folks, where we talk about, do you need sex in a in an intimate relationship? And mm-hmm. the number of people who are not um, asexual, which is a different thing. I mean, if you're asexual, you're not going to be having sex as part of the main because you're not into it. Um, but people who would identify as quite sexual beings who are willing to accept relationships that have no sex in them. Mm because they don't think they can have any better at a certain point. So women who say, you know, oh, when you get to the age of 50 or, you know, when you get to menopause, that's it, it's over. I'm like, really? Uh,
1: No, (laughs) I mean, I haven't hit 50 yet, but that's not going to be my ministry. No.
0: (laughs) I'm 57 and I can tell you that it doesn't end. (laughs) I I don't see it ending anytime soon. My plan is to keep going until I'm in my grave. That's (laughs) how it is for me. But it's funny because it's like I listen to women who there are so many women who will say, well, you know, we're past it, aren't we? Wow. (laughs) All the equipment continues to work. Yeah. You know, you, we, we all have our, our hiccups that come with changing parts of life. Yeah, you might have to do things somewhat differently. But, but it is, it's, it's part of this whole um, story that we're told that bears no resemblance to reality. Mm. And I okay. see erotica as a, as a way of combating that.
1: Right. Wow, yeah, it, 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 can, it can definitely be a vehicle to that. Um, and even with the story that I, uh, the excerpt that I just read, I was very intentional with writing these characters, even though it's a very short story. You, I mean, you can read it in, in a day. Um, and it, I did that on purpose, just because I wanted something really quick and fun, um, but I, uh, the, the, the intimacy scenes and things like, you know, when it does happen are very, very intentional about how I'm describing stuff and how long things are taking and what exactly is happening, what kind of, you know, things that I'm introducing, hoping that the read, it will peak something. And maybe the the reader will be like, what, what is this? Let me go Google that or something like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and maybe try something different, or at mm-hmm. least learn about something different. There's so much out there. I guess, I think that's what people don't realize. Um, there's it, just so much out there and, and intercourse is sort of the kind of smallest part. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and, and, and that's definitely not something that I think you appreciate unless you look and you examine, or if you are outside of the norm. So if you're kinky, you know that, right? Because you, <laughs> you learn that very quickly. And, it, you know, I mean, I always say, like, I think in some ways, while it was very difficult when I was, you know, young, youngest and starting out sexually and, and knowing that I was different, um, mm-hmm. and not really knowing how to get what I needed. Once I sort of, I started Learning to communicate about it, and once I started meeting people who had some interests in common, I kind of think I was lucky because I I get to have conversations with people before we ever form deep attachments, before mm-hmm. we're ever you know in bed with each other about look this is what I like, what do you like, mm-hmm. and we can see where the common ground is, and that's normal for us because otherwise you, you otherwise you, you match up with people and. <laughs> find out all of a sudden that neither of you like the same things it's you know after spending six eight months you no know, in a relationship which is horrible right <laughs> yeah but um, it happens a lot mm. um and it and if you think about it and for heteronormative folks it happens all the time because they don't talk about it they're just expected to do it and have it work just because they like each other yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, is that how it works? <laughs> like I'm really into you. So anything I do is going to be great.
1: No, that's, that's not quite how it works at all,
0: <laughs> but that's the myth.
1: Yeah. You hope it's that way, but it's not, I mean, you can connect on every other in every other area and still have a disconnect in that uh, region. It doesn't mean that it won't work, but you're going to need to communicate, um, much more, you know, than you might need to when it comes to money or, or whatever other area of your life. Um, and it, the, I mean, I think it's all for the better anyway, the more you talk, the more you explore, especially if you're going to be together for a while. I mean, my wife and I have been together going on, we're just about set at the 17 year mark. So we to talk about it all the time, not all the time, but you know, it, it comes up because you have different times you know in a relationship this long where you know you there's work stuff and family stuff and health issues that come up and yep. kids that leave and then the grown kids come back again. So you know so yeah. you have to navigate all of that and it's very easy if you're not careful to just get stuck in a routine um and just you know You you don't want to use it as a sleep aid. You don't want to just do it, (laughs) to go to bed so you can get up and go tackle it. You you have to find ways to constantly make it exciting um, and and, and passionate or whatever. And uh, that means different things for different people. But the conversation is the most important piece. So that way, at least you can know where the boundaries are. And over time, those boundaries may shift. They may be a little larger in some points and they may be very constricted in others, depending on what's going on. Because again, there's so many things not related to intimacy, that, but they still affect intimacy. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: And I mean, you know, so you can see why you're 17 years in and you still have a good relationship yeah. because the <laughs> emphasis is on communication and, and that's the part that people miss so yeah. often, I get people
1: saying things to me like, um, Why do I have to work at it? Because <laughs> you, it's, that's like walking into the gym and expecting to have biceps. You got to pick up some weights. Okay. And same thing with starting a business. You're going to need to read some books on business management, leadership, finance, and all these other things. So, s- sex and intimacy is no different than any other area. So, you know, that's how I feel like I have a rotation of what I read. I may be reading something on executive presence this week. I may be reading, you know, something on meditations or, or who knows this week. And then there's going to be a book on female pleasure at some point, because you need, you can't be a one dimensional being. It's just not realistic. Um, and there's nothing to be ashamed of. I've gotten past that. Thank God, I'm way past that phase of, you know, feeling, oh, I shouldn't talk about this. I shouldn't let people know what I'm reading or feeling guilty about it. I don't care anymore. And maybe I'm just getting older and I just don't care, um, or it's just the realization that the more people are afraid to talk about these things, the it's just going to be this perpetuating cycle. And you <laughs> know, so and there's nothing to be ashamed of. Somebody had to have sex for us to be here in the first place. <laughs>
0: seriously and the thing is is that you know it's so funny when people come to me it's like I've been working with people over 30 years there's nothing I haven't heard now right right there'll be your version of it but there isn't an act or a sexual desire that hasn't been brought Mm -hmm. so it's like you know it's like it doesn't matter what it is yeah and if no matter what it is, somebody's into it, right? That's the yeah. other thing, and then, what's right? the,
1: and then What's the worst that can happen? Your, your partner's like, eh, I, that's not really my cup of tea. And then you're like, oh, okay. You know, you may not, that, you may not always, just because you talk about it, you have to understand that doesn't mean you're always going to get the answer that you want, yeah. but at least you discussed it. And then may, if you are still really having a desire for whatever that activity is, figure out how to do it on your own you know, or, or whatever the two of you decide. Well, you can work. I mean, you've got all sorts of ways. If you're in that position,
0: um, you can have it be an activity that comes only with masturbation. And and sometimes that's how people do it. And when people are monogamous, that's often the way that that gets worked out. But sometimes even when people are monogamous, you know, they, they're willing to give a hall pass. So it's a one-off go out and do this thing because you really want to do it. And I really don't, Yeah. you know, yeah. and so that's another way that people work it out. And sometimes they open their relationships up and yep. other times, if you've got open relationships, you've got a partner. You know, I, I certainly in my following knows that I'm in more than one relationship, Every, everything's above board. Um, and I've got some things that I do with one partner because the person that I live with is just not into them. Yeah. Right. And I know that. And it's like, okay, cool. I'm not asking you to do this stuff that you're not into. Cause I can take it over here to right. a person who's really into it. Right. Yeah. And we and can go do it over it. there.
1: Yeah. And then it's not you're then you're not, you know, the other person's not feeling pressure that they've got to do is cause you really like it. And then, you know, how good is the, is it going to be anyway if one person feels awkward and they don't really, who wants to have sex with somebody that doesn't want to be there anyway. So, yeah. <laughs>
0: And that's a. I mean, that is a thing. You know, it, it. Sometimes people will get to know something and they'll gain an appreciation. Or sometimes, because they see how hot you are, they enjoy that pleasure. But you know, if somebody's really like, mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, whatever. Oh God, no. Yeah. You, you know that pushing forward with that makes no sense. Um, it's not enjoyable for anyone. So, but there are ways to figure out how to get those needs satisfied. There are. And, de- and ranking the needs, depending on how important. It's one thing to say, I'm curious about blah, 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 blah. It's another <laughs> thing to say, this is a, a, an essential part of my sexuality that you don't want to do with me. You know, that that's obviously going to be more difficult to get past. But the first thing is for people to stop being embarrassed about what they want.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think we've still got a little. Like I say, I think things are getting better. There's more people like yourself. There's more coaches, counselors. There's more articles being written about it. Uh, thanks to social media, there's more access to for people who can. You know, if they live somewhere rural or or whatever, maybe you know, ten years ago they had nowhere to go because the books didn't exist or in their town or whatever. Or or how you know, there's 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 we're getting there. I still think there's quite a ways to go. Uh, especially with female pleasure, because we're we're still kind of got the foot of patriarchy on our necks. So, <laughs> um, but yep. we're it's a, it's a slow move, but it is moving in the right direction for for I think as far as access to info, um, if you can get it, if you're hopefully not too remote where you live.
0: Yeah, and I mean, if you have internet access, there is access. Just make sure you use reputable sources. There's plenty of people out there, and it's not difficult to find out what kind of experience they have. Indeed. You know. <laughs> google your people <laughs> Do google yes, your people. yes
1: yes before you go sign on for someone to be your coach or counselor or yeah, guide. absolutely
0: search. you know check find out check. find out what they do um and 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 meet people i mean i was amazed at how often people don't meet people at least to see if you connect because if you're not comfortable Above and beyond the anxiety there is about talking about these sorts of things. If you don't feel like you could ever be comfortable with this person, then this isn't the person for you, no matter how experienced they are, because you have to be able to talk.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. It's yeah. not, it's not like when you go to a medical experience.
0: doctor and you just have to pop the take the prescription and
1: go pop yeah, the pill. No. Yeah. Although I right. always got to be a safe space where, yeah. um, and also a space that's not only safe, but has room in it where whoever it is, that's your guide or coach or whatever um, is not telling you everything, but perhaps also asking you the right yeah. questions to help you come to your own conclusions about what you want. Um, you know, and I had someone like that here who um, I just, I stumbled into the tantra community, but the, the quote that she always says that I'll never forget is you're responsible for your own pleasure um amita amina yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah i know amita amita peterson's yeah. A phenomenal
1: yeah phenomenal, <laughs> i mean she's phenomenal. not here now she's in no hawaii. she's in hawaii Calibating with her new husband but um <laughs> but yeah she's, she's amazing.
0: amazing and i mean it, it, some of I mean, that's if you're in atlanta when she is in atlanta but also she does online stuff she's a phenomenal resource she is she is
1: um
0: yeah. But yeah, you're responsible for your own pleasure is definitely the bottom line. And people, people like to assign that to others. They like to, to you know, I, um, I did have a woman call me once and say that she, you know, she was completely clueless as to self-pleasure. Mm-hmm. And I asked if she had orgasms with her partner. And she said, yes. I said, well, there's your teacher
1: mm-hmm.
0: right there. But you need to learn. Yeah. Right. Sure. You need to learn for you because, you know, even if your relationship is tremendously long lived, someone gets ill, someone doesn't feel like having sex,
1: yeah.
0: someone, you know, and you get frustrated. All so, all stuff. yeah, you know, when it's all outside of you, you're dependent on others. And that's just particularly with pleasure. That's not a great place to be. Afterwards.
1: No, it's not.
0: <laughs> I would not want that. So this has been wonderful. Thank you so much. Where can, you people, me. <laughs> where can people find you if they want to read your work? Um, the best
1: place, the hub for all of my work is my official website. Um, it's my name, but I'll spell it since it's, it's a little unique. My parents are Jamaican. They spelled it the same way they pronounced it. Um, <laughs> it's Cheryl, C-H-E-R-I-L-N. My middle name is Nicole Clark, C-L-A-R-K-E. So the website is CherylNClark.com.
0: Brilliant. Yes. Okay, guys. Thank you so much for listening this week. I hope you'll join us again next week. Um, And I'm not going to tell you who's coming because I'm not (laughs) sure who's in the lineup yet. I can't remember if the next one is mine or um, somebody else who I just interviewed. Um, But it should be a lot of fun. Don't forget if there are authors that you want to hear from, you need to tell me. And if there are particular genres that you'd like, you also need to tell me and I will search them out. I will do my best to either gain permission and gain the rights um, to read their work or to get them on the show. And so far, I've not done so badly. So do write and let me know. Um, You can reach me on loribeth at drloribethbisbee.press. You can head over there and also grab a copy of my memoir, which came out in may um and is now also out on audiobook so dancing the edge to surrender an erotic memoir of trauma and survival for those of you who haven't read it yet you might want to listen and i'll see y'all next week have a great one cool thanks for joining me on this erotic adventure Join me again next week for more exciting erotica. Visit my websites, DrLaurieBethBisbee.com and DrLaurieBethBisbee.press for more information about what I'm doing and what services are available. Check out my weekly internet radio show, The A to Z of Sex, on the Health and Wellness Channel, VoiceAmerica.com, Thursdays at 11 a.m. PST, 2 p.m. EST, 7 p.m. BST, and that's a live show. If you've got suggestions for this show or authors you'd like to hear, email me at lori.beth at drlauribethbisbee.press. Have a great week.